Well, I wanted to speak to you this morning uh, about a statement uh, that Jesus made to his followers. And uh, Jesus said lots of things uh, when uh, he was uh, on earth. Uh, And uh, I think whenever he speaks directly to those uh, who call themselves his followers, we should pay attention. I'm sure we should pay attention to everything. Uh, but we should certainly pay attention to when he's speaking to his disciples. And that statement we're going to put up on the screen for you. Um, And um, uh, lots of the gospel writers are very helpful in that they often tell us who Jesus is speaking to. So sometimes they say, Jesus said this to the crowd or Jesus said this to his disciples. Sometimes he's talking to his inner circle. Uh, But uh, this is a statement that's actually found in each of the three uh, Gospels and it says quite simply, Jesus said to his followers, you give them something to eat. Now, uh, many of us would instantly recognise the context that this occurred in and I'm actually going to take a few moments later on to speak to that context. Uh, But uh, it was a statement that um, uh, was brought into uh, quite a strong contrast, if you like, or, or a, a reality for me, during my trip to Myanmar, which interestingly was then followed by our state conference where the guest minister spoke about this event, and I thought, wow, that's really interesting. So I'm going to use the opportunity to begin with to talk about my third trip to Myanmar a couple of weeks ago, bring you a bit of a report on that, because I travel uh, by the power and the giving of uh, the Hills Christian Family Centre. And um, it was the third time that I had uh, gone to Myanmar and taught uh, at a thing called the Evangelism and Discipleship Training School. It's a real mouthful. Uh, you're going to say it. We, we call it EDTS for short when we're over there, just so we can get it out. But uh, it's held in a place called um, Pinalawin, uh, which also takes a bit of practice saying, which is in the hills above Mandalay, praise God, from the hills of Adelaide to the hills of Myanmar, where it is about 10 degrees cooler often than the city of Mandalay below it, which at this time of year uh, is a good thing. So uh, this uh, EDTS, our church has supported this training school through its general missions giving for quite some years. Uh, In fact, it started in 2007 Uh, under the initiative of Pastor Barry Silverback, our International Missions Director, and with the support of Pastor Andrew Bai Chu, uh, another pronunciation that perhaps I've got close, uh, but uh, we call him Pastor Andrew when we're unsure. And uh, he and his uh, faithful assistant, Biarka, oversee that school. You can see Pastor Andrew's wife there on the left of the photo. And uh, it's been held now 13 times. This was the 13th time. And on this occasion, uh, they'd ended up with 41 students. When I was there a couple of years ago, uh, at the start of the event, uh, last year, there were only five or six to begin with. But it seems like the word has got out that the EDTS is a good place to be at. And what happens is lots of churches in the region send uh, they're young people or they identify someone who, who might be blessed by this. It's a three-month living course. Uh, food is provided. They have teaching every day from uh, 8 till 3. 
they then get involved in training activities on the weekend, go out and do evangelism, have recreation together. And it was just fantastic to be uh, among the students again. That's Brother Biarka that, that some of you know uh, well. He hasn't been to Australia, but some of you have met him and visited him. And he and his wife may oversee the entire course, the teaching, uh, the, the feeding uh, and whatever. And uh, the students uh, just really seem to appreciate that time. They're quite young, uh, but they have a great time uh, singing together. And you can see them there with their textbooks. They write everything down. And it's been my privilege to uh, teach with uh, in that place with the use of a translator. So uh, it was great to be there and it was exciting. The second day I was there, um, when I arrived for the day, Pastor Andrew said, oh, uh, we are going to baptise 19 students today. Uh, Would you like to help? And I thought, well, that sounds exciting. might be more exciting than my teaching. Um, And I... What was this all about? I, I didn't understand. Because my understanding was that originally uh, the EDTS was created to train and equip you know, mature, established Christians uh, for mission and ministry back in their home church, back in their home province, uh, and that normally you'd be speaking at that level. But what has happened is that more and more uh, younger children are being sent to this because I think of the fellowship and the and the chance for an encounter with God. So now many teens are arriving without having made their commitment to Jesus. Some are coming from traditional church backgrounds where born again isn't really preached. Uh, and they're showing up at this place and these guys are talking about Jesus and some of them are really at ground zero. So what Pastor Andrew did was invited into uh, the training school, uh, one of Myanmar's best um, evangelists, I guess you would say, and he taught them for five days <laughs> and explained the gospel from A to Z and just explained to them what it meant to be born again and saved. And praise God, 19 of the students said, I, I want that, I'm here for that, uh, I want to respond to that, and they made the step Uh, to be baptised, praise God, while I was there, which was fantastic. So it was really exciting. Uh, The local uh, uh, AOG church, many of you would be aware, Pastor Andrew's church meets in uh, uh, the top of a shopping centre called the Great Wall Shopping Centre in Mandalay. We're still in Pinalawin here. And um, uh, it was just fantastic to be able to stand with these students and Pastor Andrew and be involved in their baptism. So pretty big tank. We managed to fit uh, two students in, so uh, (laughs) it didn't take two. We weren't there forever just baptising them, praying for each of them, and then leading them as we baptised them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and they went underwater and uh, enjoyed that time together. So that was great to be able to be there for that, boys and girls Uh, younger ones, older ones, praying with them at this time and just great to see them respond to the message of the gospel and to say yes to Jesus publicly and identify with the faith in that way. And we finished with uh, a time of prayer, which was brilliant. I think one of the reasons why the students like being together is, uh, and there they are there, there's the 19 that were baptised afterwards along with some of their leaders And uh, just a great day to be involved in that. I think one of the other reasons students enjoy going to EDTS is they get to do things 
together. And uh, that includes visits to national parks. These are the, the national gardens, really, uh, probably one of the most famous in Myanmar. And that form of transport, uh, piling to the back of uh, a van, is pretty much normal. That's how they get around the place when they go as a group. And uh, it was great to be able to join them on this day, on the Saturday morning, uh, and go out with them. And uh, they love uh, getting out and about and, and enjoying the space around that. So off we went in the vans. They give me the front seat. They had mercy on me. Uh, but uh, I probably am the oldest of the party. And down we go to the National Gardens in that area of Pindalawin, which is fantastic. Uh, there's a tower there. Uh, that we climbed, which gives you a fantastic view uh, of uh, the area around there. That's proof. That's not a painting. I made it up the top of the tower, and you might think, well, so what, Pastor? Well, that's how I got up there. Uh, So um, uh, I don't know if there's a defibrillator up there. Perhaps we should buy one as a church for the next time I go. But... um, I got up, I got down, boy I went slowly, how embarrassing, but anyway they got up there too so it was just fantastic. But something really interesting happened when we were preparing to go and as we were going and um, uh, as you could imagine feeding the leaders and all the students uh, is a big task. Uh, Rice is a staple, Uh, they, they deal in sacks of rice that I don't know how many kilograms are, they last two days in the EDTS, these massive sacks. And in order to take the students to the National Park, um, it means because they're out in the morning, they don't have time to prepare lunch because they're not at home, they're not with their electric cookers. And we just think, no problems, (laughs) buy a toasted sink, get something on the way home, have something in the park. But Biarca was saying to me, so what we're going to do is we're going to have a big breakfast Uh, eat a bit extra because we won't be able to have lunch. And I'm just sitting there thinking, uh, it just started to, the thought started to arrive and I thought, well, I don't know about that. Like here where I am, I'll go back to the hotel, I'll buy myself a meal, that won't be a problem for me. But these students are just not going to eat lunch so they can go to the National Park. And there was something in me that just thought, I think I need to do something about that. I, I think I need to make an offer. So, folks, uh, with uh, uh, your money in my pocket and uh, your support in hindsight, God bless you, thank you very much, church, uh, I said, hey, why don't we go to a place called Mary Brown's? Now, Mary Brown's is the KFC equivalent. It's actually better than KFC. Uh, And so we took 53 people on the way home from the National Park to the fried chicken place. Now... Many of these students have come out of the villages uh, and the surrounds and Biarca said to me, uh, most of these kids have never set foot in a place like this. Some of you are thinking, praise God. Some of you are thinking, why did you take them there? Some of you are thinking, what have you done? Some of you are thinking they'll die within weeks of eating there. I'm sorry, church. I like it. I'd been there. I knew the prices weren't too bad. So the 53 of us went in and had two pieces of fried chicken and a Coke so that the students could have something uh, on the way home after the National Gardens and not have to go back and basically not eat. So they thought it was fantastic. Now, two pieces of fried chicken and a Coke for 53 people uh, cost us just over $200 Australian, 
$3.90 a head. I thought it was a good deal and I said to them clearly, uh, the church back at home has paid for this and they were pretty happy about it, so they were really thankful. So is that okay, folks? All right, okay, all right. So if you're not happy with that, come and see me. If you, if you think this is a threat to the national health of Myanmar, let me know. It, but it's actually not too bad. I've been there a few times. It's one of my favourite places. Anyway, so that was, that was, you give them something to eat, number one, and folks, you were right there with me because I didn't certainly pay for it myself. Following around that time, uh, we had what was actually the biggest storm that I'd ever been part of. Now, I'm a very protected person living in the south of Australia, but uh, the night before, it was just amazing. This is the Sunday morning when I was trying to go to church at the EDTS, could not get out of the hotel because the rain that was coming down was just dumping down. And this scene was repeated. This is actually in the National Gardens, but this was repeated throughout uh, the place. There were these two big storms in a row. Trees like that were down through power lines everywhere. There was no power. It blacked out on the Friday night. Uh, The generator worked intermittently, but... um, uh, it was really interesting to, to be part of that. It sounded like a cyclone on the Friday night and you know, I'm thinking, well, maybe I'm going to check out this way. I should take a photo of it perhaps, I don't know, but it was, it was just amazing. But eventually I got to church on Sunday morning at the EDTS and uh, they picked me up in a cab because I couldn't go on the motorbike because it was too wet. And I got there and sort of walked in. They'd been worshipping for a little time and uh, looked at the students getting ready to preach and they looked like um, they'd been sentenced to death. I mean, I'm, th- I'm looking at their faces, I'm trying to get something going. I'm thinking, come on, we're about to preach the word of God, give me something, students. They didn't look very with it at all. And I was sort of talking with uh, Brother Biarca about you know, what was happening and how they're going on. He said, oh, he said, because the power went out last night, they haven't had breakfast. And I'm thinking, man, they look like it too. Uh, so no power means no running water in the house because it's done by pump and it means they can't work their rice cookers. So they just weren't able to prepare anything. To feed 40 students on fire using cook fire, it just didn't work. Church was ready. They didn't put church back. They just started, but they hadn't eaten. And this again started to work on me. Because come lunchtime, they'd made a fire so that I could eat and the leaders shared lunch with me. So I'd had my breakfast at the breakfast. I was smiling, (laughs) but the the students looked really down. And as I was talking to uh, Bianca over lunch, um, I I asked him, I said, you know, what would solve this problem? How would we deal with it? Um, Is there anything we can do? And he, he said, well, you could buy a generator. And I thought, now that sounds like a good idea. And I said to him, how much for a generator, you know, the the petrol and whatever? And he said, oh, we could probably get everything that's required for $300 US. Well, as it turned out, that was exactly the amount of US dollars that I had in my bag that I hadn't changed yet into the local currency. Once again, courtesy of the Hills Christian Family Centre. As soon as he said that, I just thought... Let's go out after lunch. We are going to buy you guys a generator. Because it's not good for visiting pastors when the congregation hasn't eaten and all they're thinking about is that they are uh, waiting for him to finish. So I thought that's one of the reasons. 
So generators in places like Myanmar, many of you are aware of this, are standard equipment. Uh, the power goes out regularly, sometimes just shut off for hours uh, and you just can't prepare a meal, uh, among many other things. There's no running water. The girls were not happy at all. They were looking at me and disappointed. So we went out and once and got the 300 US dollars, went to the first shop, all sold out. So the power was out, no generators. Went to the second shop, all sold out. I'm thinking, okay, this may not work. Went to the third shop and there are these guys with one of these out the front. That's them putting it together and 300 US dollars was enough for that, for the oil, uh, for the petrol, for the wire that's required. So they do their own electrical work connecting it to the house. I'm sitting there praying. Oh man, I'm thinking, I hope the power doesn't come back on. That'd be exciting. Um, So... uh, but they know how to do it because this is standard to survive there. And so we got them a generator. And when I saw that it was the same colours as the T-shirts that they'd bought for themselves this year, black and orange, I said, Lord Jesus, this is the EDTS generator. <laughs> so there it is, folks. You give them something to eat, number two. Again, courtesy of the Hills Christian Family Centre. They're our Aussie dollars turned into US dollars turned into a generator. And interesting to note, so they got it running and that was really exciting and they had it there and that now will stay with the EDTS. Wherever it's held, whenever it's held, they'll have a black and orange generator bought by the Hills Christian Family Centre that will go with it. Um, So interestingly, the power came back on that night And so they didn't actually use it on that occasion. And my first thought was, oh, you know, what are you doing? You you got excited and they didn't even need it. But I realised that the power being off at that lunchtime was used by God to provoke us to say, we'll buy you a generator. And sure enough, after I came home, I got a message from Bianca saying, the power's out again, but we can prepare food and have running water because of that generator. So I really believe God moved through those circumstances and uh, that he provided something for the training school for, for those students to eat and to wash. And as you know, folks, for us, it's, I don't know whether we, we are proud to say it or we're ashamed to say it, that's chicken feed. I mean, like any of us could buy that. I think, <laughs> and any individual here, but we did it together. So, folks, I'm submitting it to you again. Are you happy with that? Is that okay? Yeah. All right, okay. If you're not, let me know and, I don't know, go and get it. No, we won't get it back. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, too, it's gone. It's not going to come back. Um, you give them something to eat, number three. This is my final night there, uh, and um, it's a practice that, you know, Pastor Bill's encouraged me always when overseas to take out the leaders uh, to, to dinner wherever we can. This is feel restaurant. So they love their adjectives, feel restaurant, wow hotel, the, ho- the hotel smile, that's, that's they're right into that. Sweetie Land's another one you see, Sweetie, hotel Sweetie Land. So they love, so this is feel restaurant. So I always say to Bianca, wow, I feel good when I eat here. And he thinks it's funny, which is great because Jude doesn't laugh so much, but he does, he gets it. So um, uh, that's Bianca on the right of the photo, sitting next to his wife, May. And they're a fantastic couple who oversee all of the EDTSs and the students. On the very left is Bianca's brother, Matthew, who did some of the translating while I was there. And then uh, the two other leaders whose names I sadly can't recall or probably even pronounce, 
They're both graduates of the Shiloh Bible College that we also support and uh, that was them enjoying a meal out once again uh, at our expense but as you can see they were very happy to be there. Look that's something they'd never do. All right, unless someone takes them like that, they're just not going to go to that restaurant and spend money. But I just think it's great to bless them in that way. So there you go, folks. That's what we did. And, and I was there representing our church and I constantly get messages back from Biarca saying, thank you, Pastor. Please remember us to your church um, and uh, remind us and thank them for us. So, folks, are you OK with all of that? Is that excite you? All right. OK. OK. So... Let me finish now before I hand over to Wayne. I just want to, before we have a time of communion, I just want to talk briefly about Jesus' experience when uh, he was working with his disciples and they were faced with a similar crisis. And I think it's fair to say this was probably solved a little bit more dramatically uh, than my situations in Myanmar. Um, As I said, this is recorded in each of the three Gospels. This is the, the version that's in Mark. And it occurred when Jesus had sent out his 72 followers at that time in pairs, 70 of them, sorry. Uh, They'd come back and told him how well it had gone. Uh, But people, because it had gone really well, people were really crowding around them and demanding some of their time. So Jesus uh, sees the difficulty and sees that they actually don't even have time to eat. And he says to his followers, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So this story begins in Jesus offering his followers rest, in Jesus offering his followers a break. Uh, And uh, it's interesting that we gather on Sunday, uh, on the first day of the week. Uh, We, in our society, have a day off on the last day of the week, Saturday, and then we come together not so much to recover or escape the week that was, but I trust church to look ahead and worship God and consecrate the week to come to him and to his care. And I reckon that's a great way of looking at our gathering here on Sundays. The Jewish day, interestingly, actually starts in the evening. So the Jews gather together for a meal together as a family and then rest before they complete the work that is to come in the day that follows or the day that continues when they get up. It's a really interesting way of looking at it. I think so often we're in this retreat and withdrawal mentality where you know work comes first and, and we just do these other things, but it's a great way of looking at it when we, we approach it the other way. And uh, Jesus starts this situation with rest. However... Um, When they get to the place that they're going to, uh, the people uh, see that they're on their way out. uh, They work out where they're going. And when Jesus gets out of the boat, um, he is confronted with this crowd that is uh, in need. And in the immortal words of the gospel writer, Jesus had compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. And his first response is to teach them. His first response is to uh, is to teach them. And friends, I reckon the temptation would have been so strong for either Jesus or the disciples to say, you know, we didn't plan it this way. We've just finished a really busy ministry season. Uh, we've, I, I had other plans. 
Uh, I need to look after my, my inner circle uh, and I'm just not going to do this now. But the, the, the response was that Jesus said the otherwise and, and actually engaged in ministry when they got there. And when you reflect on it, folks, it's been said uh, that the greatest key to discipleship and ministry is to care more. <laughs> and, you know, I find that as challenging as anyone. The greatest key to discipleship and ministry is to care more. And it's a, it's a, you could say that it's the cost of discipleship. It's the cost of ministry. It's also been said that God isn't going to do more until we care more. So often we're praying and we're believing and we're expecting uh, that God's going to move and, and I think they're good things to do. But often uh, the impetus is actually turned around the other way and instead of us waiting on God, in many respects in relation to mission and ministry in the church, God is waiting upon us. So Jesus has this compassion, teaches them, uh, but then... Uh, this moment starts to arrive where uh, it's getting late in the day. The disciples can see a problem developing and so they decide that they need to go and speak to their leader and give him some friendly advice and uh, make a few suggestions. And uh, their suggestion is, look, it's a remote place, it's very late, probably might be getting a bit dangerous Later on, send these people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. And this is actually a real challenge for everyone in mission and ministry. And so often, folks, we are tested and tempted to make and offer the same solution to Jesus when it comes to looking after the people that are in need. We are often thinking, look, we can't cope with any more. We can't do any more. We're at our limit. Uh, it makes sense. And we can present very reasonable, logical arguments about why we can't do it and why the, the people are just going to have to be uh, sent elsewhere. And sometimes uh, it makes irresistible sense. The unspoken statement, however in what the disciples are saying and what we are saying sometimes is can we delegate the responsibility of the care of these people because we're not equipped and we don't have what it takes to do it. Jesus didn't play along. Man, what? he just could have said, sure, but he didn't play along. He said, you give them something to eat. And uh, the disciples didn't quite, uh, they, they thought, hang on a minute, uh, Jesus, you don't understand. Uh, we've come to you with a problem because we can't solve the problem. We're trying to delegate the problem. The answer isn't us. Uh, the answer is something else, someone else, somewhere else. Uh, but Jesus is saying, uh, no, I'm putting it on you to do something about it. Uh, They've uh, said to Jesus, now you fix the problem, this is our solution. He's saying you actually do something about it. And we've all approached Jesus at different times, folks, uh, when we've said to him, you solve the problem, Lord. But so often we don't get an answer or a response because at times Jesus is saying to us, no, you do something about it. 
I want you to take the initiative. I want you to be part of the solution. So Jesus then uh, challenges them. He doesn't accept their second logical statement where they give him the accountant's response and tell him how much it's going to cost. And he asks instead, what do you have to give them? So he focuses their attention on what they already have in their possession as a solution to the problem. Now, interestingly, uh, he says, go and see. And they, don't even know, they haven't even thought about what they've got in their possession. Their first thought has been, send them away. It's going to cost too much. We don't have anything. So they had to go and look and find out what they had. And they came back with a report, five loaves and two fish. So then Jesus um, gives the disciples uh, a strategy, a plan, uh, and says, okay, break them up into uh, groups uh, down on the grass. Um, And uh, you can just imagine the disciples, as they're out working this plan, thinking, what on earth is this about? Uh, They've been given a strategy to direct people into groups for uh, they're not quite sure what, Uh, and they must have been concerned that the Lord was giving them something to do that was going to be unusual to say the least and had nothing to do with being fed. Jesus then takes the five loaves and the two fish, he gives thanks and he breaks the loaves and he gives them to the disciples to distribute among the people. Now notice that the disciples hand over what they've got to Jesus. Jesus prays. And the disciples thinking, fantastic, at last we're getting to, I mean, if we're going to go down this group thing, Jesus prays and they're probably thinking, ah, you know, like, here it is. But he gives back to his followers what they gave him. Now, at this stage, I think the disciples might have been starting to panic. (laughs) Okay, Lord, that's a good prayer. You do pray well, but we've still got five loaves and two fish. Uh, and what do we do? But then it's in the act of giving out uh, the fish, when they actually start to distribute the bread and the fish, that they're multiplied in that act and that everyone has enough for what is required at that moment in time. The miracle occurs in giving what they've got to Jesus. Then taking it back and starting to act in faith that what we have been given here at the Hills Christian Family Centre is enough to feed the multitude. That it will be multiplied as we surrender it to Jesus and we will be able to go beyond our capacity to feed the people. One final thing to mention before we do some feeding of our own. The disciples may have been thinking, you know, this is all we've got. Five loaves. It's not going to go far among the 12 of us anyway. And now we're giving it out and giving it away to others. So often we think here at church, I don't have anything else to give. I can't do this anymore. This is all I've got. And Lord, you want me to surrender that energy, time, money, Focus, concentration for the sake of others? I mean, how's this going to go around? What am I going to be left with at the end? But we read 
that the disciples pick up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish, 12 baskets for 12 disciples. So what they started with was not much, but they ended up having more than enough for each of them afterwards. And it says that the number of men uh, that had eaten was 5,000, which means that it was probably a lot more than that who were there on that day, if you count women and children. So, folks, I want to encourage you today. Um, Sometimes the request might seem small, but I believe that in the near future of our gathering together, some big asks are going to occur in the life of our church, that goals are going to be put before all of us that really are going to test us and stretch us, that are going to require us to exhibit the same faith and belief in Jesus that the disciples had to do when they gave him the meagre offering that they had and then saw him multiply it and were able to feed so many more. And I ask you to church to pray for us. This week the leadership team is going to be gathering on a retreat uh, Friday night and uh, Saturday uh, at the uh, Potter uh, Holiday Resort at Manham. Um, And... um, It's the first time since we've done this since I've been here. And I want you to pray for us this week and next Friday night and Saturday because we're all tempted to play safe. We can come back with relatively easy things like buying generators and buying takeaway. (laughs) And we can do that. But folks, is our multiplication and is our faith going to stretch bigger than that? So I want you to pray for me and for us as I pray for you And as we prepare this morning to take communion, let's close our eyes and bow our heads as we invite the team to come forward. Father, I thank you for the example that has been placed before us this morning, Lord. I thank you for the fact that you challenged your first followers not to play safe and take the easy or even the logical option, but instead you gave them the opportunity to see your miraculous power at work through the meagre offerings that they had at the time. Father, I thank you for the miracles that you've done in our presence, but Lord, we want to be people who don't send others away. We want to be people who are willing to offer to you everything we have. Even if it seems like we're going to be left with nothing afterwards, Lord, take it all. Take it, Lord. Because we believe you're the one that multiplies. We believe that you're the one that is the miraculous. We believe, Lord, that you're the one who does over and above what we can do. So, Father, help us in our faith. Lead us as a leadership team and as a church, Lord, as we combine and gather, as we contemplate, as we step into the unknown for the rest of this year and beyond. Help us to be people of faith and expectation and knowledge of you and what you've done. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd like to ask our ushering team now to start handing out the communion emblems. If they could do that, that would be fantastic. And uh, I want to invite everyone here this morning as we conclude this part of our service uh, to... Uh, receive these emblems this morning. Many of you are well aware of what we're doing now. We're taking a piece of bread 
and a piece of fruit juice. And we're celebrating the fact that Jesus gave everything that he had so that God might take his sacrifice and multiply it to everyone. Multiply it into the church. So we want you to know if you're our guest here this morning, you're welcome if you want to honour Jesus to take the, the bread and the, wine, or the juice this morning and to acknowledge him as the miracle worker and as the Lord and Saviour of all the earth. Anyone is welcome to take this this morning. But church, I want you to consider what these two emblems represent as we gather them this morning. You know, I'm really glad Jesus didn't say, Father, send them away. I can't do this. I can't give my life. I can't, I can't go through this. Imagine if Jesus had said that. Nah, it's too hard. It's too costly. I don't want to do it. I can't do it. Jesus himself had to believe in and to put his faith in the miraculous, helping, saving power of God his Father, even to the extent of laying down his very physical life. Now, folks, we're going to be faced with lots of challenges as a church. I trust that no one's going to have to lay down their physical life. But in many senses, you are, church. You are going to have to make that sacrifice. You are going to have to say, my life is actually going to look like this instead of this because I'm going to serve the purposes and the mission and ministry of Jesus. I am going to lay down my life. I'm going to change my goals. I'm going to invest my time and my money differently. I'm going to not send anyone away that comes to the Hills Christian Family Centre, but instead receive them and say, hey, we can do this. We can feed you by the grace of God. So I just want you to, as the team leads us, just hold those emblems for a moment and I invite you to think about what Jesus didn't say no to. And then we're going to eat and drink together as a celebration of his preparedness to sacrifice on our behalf. Thank you, Lord.